Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sophie Scott. And I'm James Gill. Our mission is to make wellness accessible to everyone. We'll be chatting with our favourite people. Sharing uplifting news stories. And delivering tips and tricks. To bring balance to your lives. Hello, welcome to the Balance Podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Sarah Jarvis. So Dr. Sarah, I mean, she shares the story herself. She's become a TV and radio personality. This is a thing that happened by pure fluke. She's not a doctor who woke up one day and thought, I want to be a celebrity. I'll let her tell the story. Um, I mean, there's some there's some life advice here that will uh, that will absolutely enhance your life. She's wonderful. She was a great guest. I had a lot of fun chatting with her. Uh, so I hope you enjoy Dr. Sarah. As ever, if you've enjoyed this, spread the word, tell your friends. Drop me a line, podcast at balance.media for sales. That's sales at balance.media. Dot media. If it's your, if it's the first time you've listened, check out the back catalogue. Eye watering. Um, anyway, here she is, lovely Doctor Sarah Jarvis. Uh, Doctor Sarah, thank you, thank you so much. May, may I ask you because I know you you are now a, a familiar presence across TV, radio, all, all mass media. Was that was that ever part of the plan, or did that no. happen? Absolutely, categorically not. So how did that come about then? Completely by accident. So I have always had a real interest in quality of care, quality of general practice. So at a very early stage, uh, I ended up, I was the trainee rep on my faculty for the Royal College of GPs, went up to the national conference, overcame my pathological shyness enough to uh, open my mouth once or twice and was invited to apply to be trainee rep on council. So uh, next thing I knew, I was the trainee rep on council. That happened by accident too. Uh, Loved it and was given a conference for the college uh, on women and alcohol at the Queen Elizabeth Conference Centre in Westminster and at the time ITN Lunchtime News had a studio underneath and uh, I was asked if I could do an interview. I'd just finished doing my first ever big talk, 800 GPs. I was a newly qualified GP, really nervous, got off the stage, felt like I could walk on air because it had gone so well and somebody said, right, off you go. And I was like, yep, no problem at all. And off I went downstairs, talked about it. They rang me up a week later and said, could you talk about something else? And I did. And they rang me up a week later and said, we'd like to invent a job for you. You are joking. I'm completely serious. Totally serious. It happened completely by accident. I have never applied for so much as a one minute interview in the media. That is phenomenal. Yeah, it's great fun though. I mean, I, early mornings, late nights, antisocial, short notice, not paid. <laughs> Please note, do not go into medical media if you want to get rich. But it's, I just think I did the most, it, it's the most amazing privilege. I have the most amazing opportunity to get health messages out there. So when Radio 2 had their 50th anniversary yeah. um, of Radio 1 and Radio 2, they invited me in and they told me, 
hospital so-and-sos, that it was just to talk generally about messages they'd had from patients. Mm -hmm. And what they didn't tell me was that uh, they had hidden someone who had written in or whose wife had written in to say, I heard Dr. Jarvis's advice and she saved my life because as a result of that, I went back to my wife and said, Dr. Sarah says I ought to tell my wife. Uh, and he had early colorectal cancer and he got picked up and he had survived to walk his daughter down the aisle to see the birth of two grandchildren and they hit them around the corner and Jeremy was saying oh so we've had this email apparently they can't come with us because they're on a family holiday what would you say to them if they were here so I said what I'd say and then they brought them in and I was just in bits so yes I mean it's the most incredible privilege it really is oh my is. gosh Dr Sarah I mean that's uh... quite cool isn't it that's beautiful. Yes, but it's it's not very glamorous, honestly. <laughs> so, so go on, because I think a lot. I think a lot of people assume that once you're in, you know, finger quotes, telly, uh, and all of that, they assume that it's uh, conga lines and champagne. Yeah, no, none of that. It's it. It really is extraordinary. It's lots of you know back doors in through the stage entrance, past all the pylons and the the prop cupboards and all the rest of it. Getting up very early. I remember once I had a call from Good Morning Britain at quarter to five in the morning saying we've got this story uh, could you come in and talk to it to us about it and I said oh well, of course I'd love to but there's no way you're going to get me in on time thinking phew honour satisfied go back to bed now and they went look outside no, your window no, yes no, no. <laughs> car waiting outside just in case <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I mean that's it because because so many people it's so refreshing to hear this because so many people are you know let's be honest desperate to get onto telly or, or radio so for you to almost yeah. fluke your way into it is magical, isn't it? I just find it really bizarre because when people come to me and say, I say, what do you want to do as a medical student? They say, I want to be a media doctor. I'm thinking, but that's not a profession. I do that on the side. I'm a GP and I've wanted to be a GP since I was eight. It's all I never wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a GP. And ever since then, it's kind of, you know, been being a GP, a uh, partner for 27 years. That's amazing. And uh, yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. What do you think, it, and this is, now I'm blowing smoke here, but what do you think it is about you that from the age of eight, it was GP, what you know, because that's that's pretty special. It is. I grew up in a very not. I was adopted. Wonderful, wonderful family. Uh, I've, I've been incredibly lucky, but I was adopted. And interestingly, genetically, apparently, I come from medical stock. I uh, had no idea at the time. Uh, doctor came to our house when I was eight and gave my father an injection. Gave me the needle and syringe afterwards at the age of eight. <laughs> Don't ask. <laughs> Wouldn't happen today. And it was the best thing he could possibly have done because it just absolutely inspired me. He was so wonderful. He just talked me through it and he just inspired me. And this was the, the, the most academic person I'd ever met in my life. And he took me through his doctor's bag and showed me what he was doing. And that was it. From then on, I was going to do what he did. Wow. Yeah, I was very lucky. I mean, that just goes to show, I mean, I know we don't need telling this, but the importance of just being nice to everyone you meet because you never know. Absolutely. And you do see some people who are just incredibly nice to people they have no need to be nice to. So if I'm doing if I'm doing a television show, I never look at how the other guests treat me because there is a small chance that one day they might need something from me. I look at how they treat the runners and the work experience people. 100%. Um, I, so I, I work in television a lot, a lot as, a, as a warm-up guy. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of TV warm-up and... I think the thing that people don't realise the, the 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 presenters or whoever it might be, I, I would I would say, you know, ninety something percent of people are are lovely, but those who aren't, they they don't realise that the runners of today, and I know this for a fact, become the 
directors, producers, owners mm. of monolithic production companies tomorrow. And that, you know, it does tend to bite you on the backside, doesn't it? It does. It, well, it can do. There's always the chance. But what I find interesting is people who are just lovely to anyone, regardless of whether they could possibly be. So you're right. The runner might No, no, sure, be, of course. I mean, just be nice. But, but yeah. yeah, I mean, people like Jeremy Vine, I just he's just lovely to everyone. He's just the nicest man in the world. It's just extraordinary. There is, you know, nothing is ever too much trouble. He's always got time for everybody. And I really want to be like that. Yeah, sure. And, you know, the trouble is, as a GP, it did get to the stage where I was getting exhausted and burnt out. So I'm I'm not a partner anymore. Um, but I did work full time in the NHS for 31 years. So I now work part time in the NHS and part time uh, as the clinical director of a big health tech website. Now that, now that sort of takes me into a, a point. My sister-in-law is a GP. Mm-hmm. And she's she's told me, I think anecdotally, but I think it, I think it is based. I think this is true, but I mean, please tell me if I'm wrong. It's somewhat heartbreaking. The majority of people who go see the GP, there's not necessarily something wrong with them. A lot of the time, they're they're just quite lonely and need the. Uh, I would say these days we are dealing with far more complicated medical problems. So a lot of the simple things that I used to deal with as a GP when I first became a GP. Almost everything we did was, quote, reactive. In other words, someone came in, they felt unwell, we'd sort it out or we'd try to sort it out and they'd go away and get better because they always took the tablets that we told them to and they always did everything we said. Yeah, right. (laughs) Right. These days, an awful lot more of what we're doing is dealing with very, very complicated cases. So anyone who's got anything simple, for instance, you know, we simply cannot afford. It's not appropriate, given how highly trained GPs are, that we should be dealing with the very minor stuff, the minor coughs and colds, the athlete's foot and so on. So there is a big move in the NHS, the NHS long-term plan, to move patients like that away to see their pharmacist. Pharmacists are very highly trained. They have huge expertise. They are about so much more than dishing out tablets. And I think it's completely appropriate that people who have minor ailments should be directed away yes. from their practice. In the same way, uh, GPs used to do, say, cervical, cervical screening. I don't do that that often anymore because my practice nurse does it. And my practice nurse, who used to be doing, you know, minor minor things, uh, with, or for instance, taking blood quite a lot of the time, that's now been passed on to somebody who's a trained phlebotomist but who hasn't got all the training as a nurse. So what we're doing is we're passing it down the line because we just don't have enough GPs. But... One of the issues that I do get as a result is almost every patient who comes in to see me is really complicated, has lots of problems, and psychological problems are huge. Why is that the case now then, more more so than previously? I think it's a challenge. I think that part of the issue, certainly for young people, I don't think there's any question, social media has a major part to play. We live our lives in the public eye. And, you know, today we're talking about the skin microbiome and people being unhappy with their skins. And, you know, 30% of women say the thing they like most about their skin is that it protects them, but they're being really mean to it. Two thirds of women say that they're mean to themselves, they're unkind to themselves. And I just find it so sad that so many women and men, I think, but women almost certainly more, are measured. They feel that their self-esteem is wrapped up in how they look and their online appearances, how many how many likes they've had for their social media and so on. I just think that's really sad because apart from anything else, it allows for things like online bullying, which yes. is a real issue among young people. In the past, people have always been bullied. Young people, adults, but particularly young people can be really mean, as in really, really mean. It, it ex- still stuns me some of the stories I hear in general practice. And I think in the past, you could be utterly miserable, but you could go home and you could find solace in your bedroom. Now, your mobile phone follows you into the bedroom. It's so true, isn't it? You turn, you know, you, you, you'd be scared to turn your computer on, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. 
is there do you do you know what the answer is I don't think there is an answer. Sure. I think we need to get much, much more savvy about teaching young people from the moment they start. And what's interesting, of course, is that we are living in an unusual generation now where parents, on the whole, until very recently, had not grown up with mobile technology. When I joined my practice 29 years ago, there was no mobile phone. Yep. About five years later, we got one mobile phone for the practice, and that was about it. So... These days today, my, my children, when I tell them that, they're 22 and 24 now, they just find this utterly extraordinary. You know, my kids knew more about turning the... I remember my son, when he was two, changing my screensaver. And I looked up, I was reading to my daughter, and he was playing some children's game. He might have been three, but, you know, some educational game, I hasten to add. And I looked up, and, and my computer screen looked different, and I completely panicked. And he said, oh, don't worry, Mummy, I've only changed your screensaver. And he was three. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> So we're now getting to the stage where that generation are having their children so they know about the risks of social media. Not in the same way I think that young people do today, but in 10 years' time, those young people are going to be having children. So I'm hoping that as time goes on, they will learn those lessons and they will help to protect their children, help them to become more resilient. So, so say, back, you know, back in the day, I'm, so I'm 41, I've probably got a phone in my early 20s so in my teenage years let's say i went to see you as, as the gp and i'd say i get there half an hour early and what i would do is i would sit and just read the five-year-old magazine yeah, well, i'd do that <laughs> readers digest yes please or otherwise i would sit with my thoughts mm. is it is are we doing ourselves some sort of mental damage by never actually processing yes. thoughts right, okay. Yes, absolutely. That's one of the reasons I think that we've seen a rise in mindfulness. So mindfulness can be hugely important for helping people to develop mental resilience. And mindfulness basically is all about living in the here and now. Interestingly, again, when we come back to women not being kind to themselves, we see large numbers of women getting into the shower, one in four of them overthinking what they've been doing, beating themselves up, I'm not a good parent, I'm doing whatever. That's kind of the only time, you, only place you you can't take your phone with you. So my my advice to a lot of women is, and to anybody listening to this is, okay, see, this is a good thing. A lot of my patients say, oh, I couldn't possibly concentrate on the here and now. I couldn't possibly be, do mindfulness. Yeah, you can actually. You just need to start small. Start with three minutes. And three minutes in the shower is the perfect place because there you are. You can't take your mobile phone. You've got to leave it behind. Get in that lovely warm water trickling all over you. Think about how it feels on your skin. Think about your breathing. Think about how your body feels. And that's being present, being here in the here and now. And that's a start. And start building that up so you're doing it every day. That will really, really help for many people. Are you seeing um, something we've written about in the in the magazine? Um, the stress levels of the country, uh, people feeling overwhelmed, the rise in, it sounds sound like I'm being glib and I'm not, the rise in coffee sales because we're all so frazzled and we're trying to keep ourselves going. Um, but it's only going to go one way and it's not a, a good way. It's place, not a good it? way. No, it's not a good way. And we've got to learn that we need to be good to ourselves. We need to be kind to ourselves. It's not just about looking after your physical health. It's about looking after your mental health as well. So when we think about stress, we all need stress in order to function. Burnout, of course, is when the stress that is being exerted, the stress you are perceiving, is greater than the mental reserves that you have. If we didn't have any stress in our lives, we'd never get out of bed. We'd never get anything done. So we need some stress. But if you find that you are becoming overwhelmed by stress, there are three main ways of dealing with it. The first one is confronting 
front it head on the action orientated approach so with the action orientated approach you're making yourself a list you're thinking these are the main stresses in my life how am I going to deal with it you've got an HR manager a line manager who is really being unreasonable what do you do you go to somebody above their head and you say we need to talk about this uh, that's an action orientated approach the next one is that's the, by the way that is gold yeah Absolutely. That it's it's, absolute it's, it, it's really important that you make, and one of the things, that, again, I very often discuss with patients is making a list and looking at the biggest stresses in your life. And they're not necessarily the ones that take up most of your time. That's what's very interesting. So it could be that, for instance, if you've got a bad relationship with your line manager, but you only see them once a week, but occasionally they pop into the office, you're going to be worrying about that all the time. It's not just line managers. There are lots of good line managers out there, she says hurriedly. But if you've got something that you can't do anything about, so for instance, you've got a job that you are finding really stressful, but you can't give it up and you recognise that if you gave up your job, then you'd have other stresses that would come, yeah. so financial stresses, then look at an acceptance orientated approach. And that's where you change your mindset with respect to what you're looking at. So in my past, I drive very little these days. I usually pay, take public transport. But in the past, I used to have to drive a lot because of the way that I was, you know, because of the, the jobs, that, because of what my job entailed. And therefore, I would say in the middle of London, you know, waiting to go and see a patient, whatever else, before I got a bike, I'd had to bring the car in. I was sitting and I used to get really stressed out because there was never enough time. Now I have a CD, my favourite CD, all my best favourite relaxing melodies and i am only melodies there's a there's a it's lovely word, word. it's a very fine word melodies isn't it? melodies it's nice to uh, say that it makes you a, smile it is saying it, it is <laughs> it's a very fine word so i now i'm only allowed to put that on when i've been in traffic for 15 minutes so now when i've been in traffic for 10 minutes i start thinking oh another five minutes and melodies i can, in play, I can play my melodies and it completely changes the way that I look at traffic jams. It's really simple, but you know there are lots of lots of very simple examples like that. But it works. I imagine every listener right now, and because I'm thinking it, is thinking, "Where has Doctor Sarah been all of our lives?" <laughs> <laughs> I think I still have hair. Um, now the third third way, just just to finish briefly. The third way, of course, is you're not always going to change the way you feel about everything. So the third way is all about putting yourself in a physical and emotional state where you are most able to cope with stress. And that is alcohol, drugs, smoking, trying to get enough sleep, getting regular exercise, eating regularly, finding time with your family and friends, practicing mindfulness. So that is all about the putting yourself in a position where you can cope with a stress that you cannot do anything about physically. So we've got number one, action. Yep. Number two, the acceptance, acceptance. approach. Number three, emotion orientated. Emotionally, into, I'm writing these down. Actually, it's the other way around. But anyway, yeah, same yeah, thing, yeah. same idea. Principles the same. But but I mean, I on a personal level, I'm, I you know, I've, I've wife, two children, freelance, so I always feel like I'm probably spinning two mm -hmm. plates too many. And so the third thing there, like you you know, you reel them all off. I mean, I I sometimes get overwhelmed with the thought of, oh, gosh, I'm not exercising enough, I'm, I'm not resting enough, I, I don't take enough self-care. And even the very thought of doing the thing that I know I need to do is then a source of stress. I mean, that's, I mean, that's no good either, is it? Absolutely. And, you know, you will never hear me mention the word detox except 
as a good thing, except in this scenario, because our bodies are incredibly good at, quote, detoxing themselves. Our livers work 24 hours a day to do it. So all that nonsense you're reading out there about buying those supplements and doing that extreme diet to detox your liver, what a lot of twaddle. However, a digital detox where you set yourself very strict rules and you have, say, you know, one weekend a month where you don't do anything online and you set yourself rules where there is nothing electronic in the bedroom and that includes digital alarm clocks which buzz and emit blue light. Don't take your phone into the bedroom. There are ways of doing it. Don't have a television in the bedroom. All of those things will help you with other aspects and sleep is a major one of them. Um, Is... Is sleep more of an issue now than it than it has been previously? I think people are probably more aware of the fact that they need to do something about it. So I suspect one of the issues, of course, we've got is that far more of us live sedentary lives. And we do know that regular exercise, not done too close to bedtime, sleeping too close to bedtime is not great uh, because, of course, it tends to, it gets your endorphins flowing, which are feel-good hormones. So it's very, very good for you mentally as well as physically, but it does tend to get you wound up. So do it, you know, two or three hours before bedtime and then thereafter just take things gently and allow yourself wind, wind down time. Likewise, do not play exciting games online. Do not watch horror movies just before bed. But yes, sleep is an issue and I think it is probably more of an issue firstly because as I've mentioned I think we're more aware of it and we are perhaps struggling more of it more with it but secondly because I suspect far too many of us are unaware of the fact that taking your phone into the bedroom and being on call if you like at all times and having that ping as you're just about to get off to sleep which jerks you awake or may even disrupt as you go through your sleep cycles you naturally go through different sleep cycles and the most restful sleep cycle can be disrupted and bring you back into a a less deep level of sleep those cycles tend to happen later on in the night and of course they can they can happen without you actually realizing it what what time ideally should one start to power down if you like there's no absolute for anybody so you know i have a my my guilty secret my guilty secret pleasure the one thing i cannot cope without is killer sudoku so i do quite a lot of international travel i was expecting that you probably (laughs) wouldn't most people aren't but believe me my family are (laughs) (laughs) i I was going to say she watches succession on sky no 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 killer sudoku is mine in fact i i have a series of them in there just for you know it's my little treat for myself Um, and yeah, I will get in. I'll be working abroad. I'll have got in next week. I'm going to the US. I will get in at, I'll get to bed about, about half past 10 US time, which is half past three UK time. I will still have to do a Kilisadoku before I go to bed because actually it is something that takes my mind completely away from anything else. I am not concentrating on anything else. I'm not dwelling on what I've done that day. I'm not allowing thoughts to get in. And for me, that tells my brain, you are about to go to sleep. So you don't have to do nothing. But what you do need to do is work out what for you. It might be a really good book, but probably not a horror story again. But don't watch television. Don't do anything that that, that excites you too much. And different people have different routines. For some people, it might be taking a nice relaxing bath so you're nice and warm, your blood vessels dilated, and therefore that naturally tends to make you a little bit sleepier. It might be having a milky drink because there's some tryptophan in it. It should not be having caffeine. It should not be having alcohol. Absolutely should not be having alcohol. A lot of people resort to alcohol to help them get to sleep. But what it does is interferes with the quality of your sleep so you'll have less restful sleep and you'll wake up earlier because it's a diuretic and it makes you wake up early so that's a real real no-no that's so good now now the killer killer sudoku does that work because 
you're getting out, out. I'm doing a very complicated mime that I'm not sure I, I understand. But you're, you're getting out of your own head, if you like. Yes. So all the thoughts of the day, you're just focusing on the Sudoku. So everything else, what he sh- he said, he said, she said, million miles away. Yeah, that is my mindfulness, my other mindfulness. It's mindfulness, though, isn't yeah, it? It's exactly well. In the extent I'm completely in the here and yeah. now, so I have I have two places where I'm always in the here and now. One is when I'm doing killer Sudoku, and the other is when I'm scuba diving kind of difficult to scuba dive every night before you go to bed. So Killer Sudoku will have to do. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so you, one of the ways you unwind is through scuba diving. Yeah, if I don't, don't get the chance to do it very often, but yeah, I absolutely love it. Where do you go? Uh, I have been to um, Mauritius. I have been to, mostly I've been to Cyprus. And sadly, while I love Portugal, the scuba diving off Portugal is rubbish. Go on. Because the skin, well, because the, the it's at the junction, I think, between the Med and the, the Atlantic, and there's a lot of current, and so the visibility isn't very good. But in every other respect, I love Portugal. Now, in, now in, in terms of everything that we've talked about, I know there's a couple of things we we, we need to get on, but um, this rising, I mean, now I would say this because I I work for a, a well-being title, but this surge in well-being, I'd say, especially the past two years. I mean, that's that can only be a good thing, especially with younger people. It's got to be a good thing. What worries me, however, is people doing it in an unbalanced way. And unfortunately, for instance, if people take very extreme diets, uh, I have a colleague, a great friend, Max Pemberton, who is a psychiatrist in an NHS uh, mental health unit and anorexia and eating disorders unit. And his view is that the vast majority of young women, predominantly some young men, but mostly young, mostly women who come in, started off with uh, clean eating and being very extreme, and that has led them on to eating disorders. So I think that we do need to be balanced. We can't be too extreme about things. You find out what works for you. And, you know, my diet is something that probably wouldn't work for a lot of people. So most days what works for me is I come home in the evening and I have a big meal with lots and lots of vegetables. I'm obsessed with vegetables and I love, there's no vegetable I don't love, um, but I eat once a day with the family. And actually on about five days a week, I don't eat anything else during the rest of the day. So the inter- we we talked briefly about the intermittent mm. fasting before the re- so you got into you just through being a GP you knew I didn't have time to eat but actually it worked really well for me so yeah I, it just it's just one of those things you know for some people if they don't eat breakfast then they are much more likely to eat junk in the rest of the day I don't do that so that works for me and actually. I, you know, I know there are some people who feel lightheaded if they don't eat regularly and so on. And some people with medical conditions clearly do need to eat more regularly. But for me, I can go to the gym or, you know, go walk four miles or, or go for a run or whatever else, uh, having not eaten for 22 hours. And I'm absolutely fine. I must say, I'm not just saying this. You, you look, you, have a, you are a, an absolute tonic. You're a, a pillar of health. You, you, I do my best. No, have my moments, but I do my best. Is that? I mean, that the, your, your colouring there—that's not just from London, is it? Is that from a scuba dive? Uh, no, 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 no. This is the, this is the freckles from my childhood. So I have. You, you're, you naturally I'm have that glow. I'm a natural freckler. I love being a freckler. I'm very proud. Actually, again, with this survey, one in five women um, in this research by Dove said that they didn't like their freckles. Now, given that only about one in five women have their freckles, that makes me realise I may be about the only freckler in the UK who loves them. I have learned to cherish my freckles. And these days, of course, we've got Sophie Turner. We've got these English roses. Yeah, of course, you need to be aware of the sun. And of course, you do need to be aware that you can't go out and bronze. But you know what? Let's love ourselves. I love my. I I, I get freckles in the sun. Yes, exactly. I can't get enough of them. Now, now with um, with Dove, am I right in thinking? You know, we've talked about self care and taking time out and 
I know from first-hand experience, uh, the importance of a bath. I've had that recommended mm-hmm. to me just as a way of powering down for 10, 15 minutes. Is, is, there something, is there something in that in terms of the caring for the self and taking the time out? There absolutely is. So I was asked, I was approached by Dove and asked to work with them to look at the skin microbiome and how we can look at being kinder to ourselves. And I was delighted to do so because my view is when I, especially when I saw this research that they've done, that women really are not very nice to themselves. So I've already said that two thirds of women in their survey said they were very tough on themselves. And so many of them, they get into the shower, on average, women scrub their skins five times a day. And that's in addition to all the waxing and the shaving and all those other things apparently they're waxing once a week who knew that was a thing great advantage of being a freckly redhead don't have too much body hair maybe the only again (laughs) gotta think about the positives um don't tan but don't have too much body hair um and you know i i find that really sad not least because it's an indication that women are not being nice to themselves because they are beating themselves up in the shower and having negative thoughts about their physical appearance and things when they're sharing but also because actually you can really disrupt your skin microbiome biome why do you why do you think women give themselves such a hard time well it's very interesting research which shows that women are better at multitasking than men there's probably there are probably neuroscientific reasons for that there are more connections between the right two two sides of the brain the one of which predominantly deals with the logical side the other which predominantly deals with the emotional side and i think there are more connections and women therefore are better at multitasking but the downside a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Side of that is they find it much harder to switch off. And of course, what we need to bear in mind is that if you're not switching off, then you're not giving yourself a break mentally. And that does mean that the instance, for instance, of depression is higher among women than it is among men, not underplaying it among men. We still have about one in 10 men who suffers from significant depression during a lifetime, but probably the figure is closer to one in five among women. So I think that we are very likely. I remember when I first became a GP and I was working with the Royal College of GPs uh, and we set up 
the Women's Task Force at the RCGP, and I chaired that. And it all started with us sending out a survey to men and women GPs looking at the barriers to career fulfilment. And no surprise there, these were younger men and women under 40s. No surprise to me that the single most common barrier to career fulfilment for women was the conflict between home and career. You feel constantly guilty when you're at work, that you're not at home with your kids. You feel constantly guilty when you're at home, that you've left things undone at work. Not one man mentioned it in the survey. Now, I'm not saying there aren't men out there who are not fantastic fathers, but I think the pressure on women to be, you know, goddesses out there and, you know, goddesses in the kitchen and whatever it is that Jerry Hall said sure. was supposed to be yeah. or in the bedroom and all the rest <laughs> of it. Um, I think there is more pressure on women to do that. And interestingly, I don't think it's just pressure women put on themselves because I've always worked full time and we had au pairs and so on. They always rang me. The assumption was you ring the mother. And that's still true now, unfortunately, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm, it's not like I'm getting paid by Dove to say this, and I'm absolutely not. One thing, one thing I would associate with Dove are these very positive campaigns that are all about championing everyday women. So yep. it's not about the size, whatever, you know, looking unrealistically glamorous. This, Dove has, has always been about championing every kind of, of woman. Diversity. That can, that... Loving ourselves for who we are. Yes. Absolutely. And I am all in favour of that because I was the little pale, skinny kid with absolutely neon hair when I was a child. It was much brighter than it is now. Bright ginger hair, bright freckles. I was the kid who was different to everybody else. And I am all in favour of championing diversity because we see so many stereotyped images. It really worries me when I go out today and see so many women with lip fillers and Botox and they just look all the same. And I think it's so sad. It's actually hard, isn't it? It's, well, because it's unrealistic and it's unachievable by, by the vast majority. We, I, I, it does feel like we are getting better in that regard. I know in terms of uh, caring for other people's feelings, I mean, even if you think like comedy... Some of the stuff that was that was said and done, say in the seventies and eighties, I and mean, even even more recently than that, you watch and you think, "Oh my gosh!" And I do think it, you know it is important to be mindful of people's yes. feelings, isn't it? I absolutely accept that we are getting better in that respect. Interestingly, what I do see some examples of is kind of taking it to extremes and saying that anything that isn't my view is the wrong view. <laughs> And I do worry about that because, of course, I think that in many respects, this desire not to be inclusive, I think that particularly at universities say um, there is a challenge where you are not allowing people, not offensive, I'm not talking about giving the oxygen of publicity to somebody who is a Holocaust denier. I'm absolutely not talking about that. But what I am talking about is allowing genuine debate and I do think that there is an element of that being stifled. Do you think we're losing the uh, the ability to debate properly? Yes, I do think we are. Yeah. And I, and I, so a, fr- a friend of mine... Uh, go on, disagree with me. Go on, no, so we can have a Sarah, debate. Dr Sarah, I wouldn't dare. <laughs> um, a, a, a good friend of mine is a political comedian called Matt Ford and he'd said to me, I think on the podcast, he certainly said it uh, in conversation, the importance of opening your ears and mind to someone who has a different opinion yeah. to yourself. And I do think we we are probably guilty of living in our own bubble, you know, through through algorithms on social media. 
I think Brexit is a good example. Trump is a good example. We're not talking about this. We were all, well, no. Let we'll me, talk I, about anti-vaxxers. Well, I will, but I will not. Talk about <laughs> the point I'm making is um, because we exist. So me myself, I exist in this liberal, apparently liberal left-wing bubble. So I, I think I just assumed there's no way Trump would win. There's no yeah. way that uh, didn't we all? There's no way that that Leave would win because my ears were not, my brain hadn't been open to the. Really interesting you say that because I, I mentioned anti-vaxxers and I will use that. The World Health Organization has called vaccine hesitancy one of the 10 biggest threats to global health this year. Yes, And, and it's yes. you know, new, new in to the top 10, which is really scary. And the reason I find that so scary is that, of course, it is completely nonsensical. There is absolutely no evidence for it whatsoever. And I, one of my colleagues brought me a mug recently, which says, please do not con confuse your Google search with my medical degree. And, you know, I, th I do think that we, we have got to the stage where, you know, in the Brexit campaign, there was all this stuff about, oh, I think this country has had enough, enough of experts. Do you kind of think the whole point about experts is that they know more than you? I mean, you know, I, yeah. I just, it really, really worries me. Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons it worries me is that I now have a lot of parents coming in who have sort of surrounded themselves on social media with people who believe as they do. Absolutely. And none of them have bothered to look at the facts. Yes. And their immediate reaction to vaccines is, oh, well, you would say that you're in the pair of Big Pharma. No, no, I, I'm, I, I would say that because I've read all the science. And, you know, we have studies of six and a half million children in Denmark showing no evidence of any causal link, that there are direct comparisons between the instance of autism between children who have been immunised and children who haven't been immunised. And they show absolutely no difference whatsoever. And this person will come in and they'll go, yeah, but I've heard that there's aluminium in vaccines. Yeah, but less than there is in breast milk. Kind of no answer to that, is Absolutely. there? You know, it's it's yeah. it's terrifying. The the amount of in order to make them more effective, there is the most unbelievably teeny tiny, minuscule, absolutely infinitesimal amount of aluminium left in traces from when they're prepared. Nothing compared to the amount of aluminium that is in breast milk because aluminium is one of the most common elements in the Earth's crust. Sure. But, uh, so, what, what, but there's how, aluminium. So, but how has this happened where, we, where we've... This anti-expert culture, which I, you I, know, I couldn't know. agree more, it's, it's preposterous. Where, where do we get ourselves into this pickle? I don't know. And I think well, I think social media has a great deal to Absolutely. play about it. And I think our natural tendency not to challenge ourselves. We like yes. to live in something which makes us feel more secure. So I think there is very good evidence that people on social media will surround themselves with people who have similar views to their own. Absolutely. And I really do... Not just here, not just in America. This seems to be a thing around the world by existing in these echo chambers. I mean, it, it's 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 dangerous. So, but now before the chat, you'd said that thirty percent of people don't know what a microbiome is, mm. and as my cheeks reddened with shame, I <laughs> <laughs> I you know, acknowledged I was in the thirty percent. Please, can you explain can. what that means, and and therefore, you know, what can we do? So, for many many. Uh, no, probably for, we, and, until 200 years ago, we probably didn't know what a germ was. In fact, probably until 150 years ago, then Florence Nightingale came along and, and you know, all the Lister and sure. all these other people who made us clean and recognised that actually <laughs> women were slightly, slightly as in 
ten times less likely to die of puerperal fever after they'd had a baby if people ran them, washed their hands and didn't go from one patient to the next without washing them. So we know that germs are a thing. But because that's where we all came from, and because we've all tended to think of germs as being a very bad thing, we have completely underestimated the number of good bacteria that surround us. And we now, I think, very much are more aware of good bacteria in our guts because we know that one in five women, for instance, have irritable bowel syndrome. And we know that a major part of that is the balance between the good and the bad bacteria that live in our guts because the bad bacteria, good bacteria are absolutely essential. We couldn't survive without them. They help us to digest their food. Uh, the bad bacteria, which can sort of overtake, they produce gas uh, as part of their digestive process. And consequently, you can end up with bloating, with really nasty abdominal pain, with diarrhea, with um, with constipation, with the combination of the two, with all of those symptoms that we associate with IBS. And it's not just women who have IBS, men have it too, but it's not just people who have IBS, there are all sorts of other symptoms as well. So I think we've got much, much better at recognising that. We also know that there is a significant association between our gut and our brain, and that, for instance, the gut microbiome can have a significant knock-on effect on mental health. Very interesting research that's been done on that. Pretty much every woman, because most women have had thrush, at least at one stage, will know that you are more likely to get thrush if you've had antibiotics. Duh, how did that happen? Because actually thrush is a yeast. It's not a bacterium. Well, we have friendly bacteria that live in our vaginas. And if those get destroyed or if our natural microbiome gets affected by taking antibiotics, then we are much more likely to leave space. We've left a void there and the yeast will come in and take over exactly the same thing happens on our skin. We have a skin microbiome. It's an invisible layer of almost all largely healthy bacteria and we want the healthy bacteria to be there because they allow our skin to be in balance. So they they help to manage your skin's, um, your skin's nutrients. They help to manage the good bacteria. They keep the bad bacteria at bay. They provide essential skin lipids. They do all these things which help to keep our skin in top tip-top shape. And there is very good evidence that there is a link between a direct causal link rather than an association. Yes. Um, so let me give you an example. I read a study this morning which showed that uh, young people who vape are more likely to take drugs, they're more likely to drink alcohol, they're more likely to do so-and-so. Does vaping make you take drugs? No. It's just that the rebels who vape are also likely to be the same rebels who took drug to, to take drugs and who in the past smoked until it stopped being cool. So there's the difference between an association one people who do one are more likely to do the other and a causal link and i think the classic example of that is for instance there is a direct association between the number of people owning a television in this country and the number of hedgehogs being squashed by cars hate me go on do televisions cause hedgehogs to be squashed that'll be no there is also a direct link between the number of people owning televisions and the number of people owning cars. The more televisions we have, the more cars we have, because that's what's happened in today and this day and age. Do cars cause hedgehogs to be squashed? Yes. So basically, you've taken out the middleman, the confounding factor. And of course, the confounding factor between this beautiful correlation between television owning and hedgehogs being squashed is cars. 
in the middle. So effectively, that's the difference between an association and a causal link. However, there is a very strong causal link between disrupting your skin's microbiome yeah. and being more likely to have eczema and other skin problems. So therefore, we do know that here there is a causal link. And basically what that means is that given that 93% of women have some sort of skin issue, the most common ones include dry, patchy skin, eczema, as well as stretch marks, cellulite, redness, age spots, and so on, and things like rosacea. So we do know that an awful lot of women have issues with dry skin. We also know that disrupting your skin's microbiome increases your risk of having issues with dry skin. So therefore, if you use something which is gentle on your skin, and there we're talking about things like SLS, so sodium lauryl sulfate or sulfates, um, they there was a great scare a few years ago about them. Oh, do they cause skin cancer? No, they don't. There is absolutely no evidence. But they cause bubbling yeah. and they dry your skin out. So, interestingly, does water. So water actually can dry your skin out. So what we want to do is to use something which is gentle on the skin and which naturally moisturises the skin while we're washing rather than soap or harsh products which are adding to the drying effect of water. Uh, Dr. Sarah, if if, um, if it was socially acceptable to give someone a standing ovation for a, <laughs> a, a podcast performance, then pl please know that I uh, I absolutely would. I, my, my life and our listeners' lives... Um, has been improved for for you being in it. So th honestly, I learned, I've learned so much. I, I was, I've never run out of ink and usually I might write down the odd word. It was like writing down an essay on this one. Um, on, a, on a purely selfish level, Doctor, I've developed a twitch, I think, from... Stress? Yeah, or perhaps doing so much work. Well, possibly, or not spending enough, not spending enough time away from your computer. So 20, 20, 20, 20. So every 20 minutes, take time off whoops take time off from your computer blink 20 times look at something 20 feet away so you're giving your your eyes a break and just give yourself a break now and again take a regular break from your computer dry itchy and irritated eyes are no fun and they are largely a consequence of the time we spend at our computers thank you so much now for our for our listeners who wanted more dr sarah in their lives is there anything you personally would like to be nice to yourself Oh, my God. Most people say their website. I, I will give you the website as well. It is dove.com. But what I, I mean, would really like people to know, if you want to hear more about the skin microbiome and all sorts of tips for how you can be good to your skin, then do feel free to go to dove.com. But actually, be nice to yourselves because you do deserve it. That's so telling of, of Dr. Sarah as a human being that... Any other guests, and I'd do the same, anything else you want, they'd say, yeah, on Twitter I'm... Uh, and Dr. Sarah just said... Be nice, and that, that's because it's more important than anything. So else. good, <laughs> is, but it, it, social. You're, you're on any of the socials. I am. Is there a I'm Dr. Sarah website. Dr. Sarah Jarvis. Dr. Sarah Jarvis. I I have Facebook, but only for about twelve people in my family, and I don't know how to use Instagram. <laughs> I'm not very good at this social media lark, but I'm quite good on Twitter, and I do respond to people. What's the now? This is like the, a bonus question. I know we've got to go. <clears throat> What is your? What's the secret? You you strike me as someone who has the in the best way possible the world by the tail. You're a you're a I would consider you a happy person. You you radiate positive energy. What's what's the secret, Doctor Sarah? Um, I I have my moments, <laughs> but uh, I'm I am good at juggling, and I 
but I do try very, very hard to stop and smell the roses. And I, when I get into bed at night after I've done my kilostoku, I actually try very hard every night to think about what I should be grateful for. From that, I, I, I promise I'm, I'm going to try harder at that because whatever, whatever you're, <coughs> whatever you're on, I, I'd like a sip of it. Uh, Dr. Sarah, thank you so much. That was wonderful. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you. That was brilliant. Thanks a lot. Doctor, right? that was brilliant. Was right? Oh my God, that what an education. Lovely. That was such fun. Such fun. What a great opportunity just to chat. So lovely. Thank you for being Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for being, being a you. wonderful interviewer. That was really, I, gosh, I have to say, very rarely do I get out of anything and think, oh, that was really fun. Can we do it again? But you were <laughs> fabulous. So thank you. I think it's just, it's just uh, a huge and heartfelt shanking. thanks to Dr. Sarah. Oh man, she was awesome. <laughs> she was absolutely awesome. Uh, hope you have a lovely weekend. Thank you as always. Uh, and as ever, you know, please do share, tweet, post, all that caper. It does. It helps more than you realise. God, that sounded bleak when I said that, didn't it? Uh, by the way, that was a bumper week, wasn't it? Especially with the Terminator episode. Anyway, I digress. That was my internal monologue. Uh, thanks as always we're on all the socials at balance ldn our website is balance.media and i hope you picked up a copy of our latest issue with emily sanday with whom we did a live episode which came out on monday oh my gosh you lucky people as my good friend nick helm would say anyway pure waffle uh take care i've been james gill huge thanks even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.